Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. In the course of this series, we're going to be talking about, um, oh, a number of different things as it pertains to us as believers, as individuals, but us also corporately as a church. Um, Who are we? What do we believe? Uh, What do we do? What's the fruit of our actions? We're going to talk through all those things over the next few weeks. But there's application not just as a church, but also for you as an individual believer as well. Uh, When you look at Scripture over and over and over, we're Believers are commonly referred to or, or, or compared to plants or trees, and I think this is for a couple of reasons. Um, I, I think, number one, we see that our growth, our spiritual growth, is never as quick as we would like it to be. We, we want a microwave uh, spiritual growth in a way that God did not intend it to happen. He intended for us to grow in kind of a meandering way at times, that none of it is quick and happens fast. And so growth takes time. I was talking to one of, our, uh, one of our board members yesterday, and he was talking about planting uh, trees when he was little, that they were smaller than he was, and now they're bigger, you know, they're gigantic. And that takes time, though. That takes um, 10, 20, 50 years sometimes for a tree to mature and grow. And, but we want that overnight in our spiritual life. But I think God wants us to see that spiritual maturity happens slowly. It doesn't happen as quickly as we'd like. The other thing I think we get to see here is that everything needed for a tree to become what it becomes. Whether it's a a redwood in California that grows over 300 feet tall, or whether it's a a tiny shrub that just produces berries or fruit or or flowers in your yard, everything needed is contained in a tiny seed. And, And nobody thinks twice about that because they know that every component, all the capacity for that tree to become what it's supposed to be is contained in that tiny seed. But sometimes we look at our own lives and we go, God, who am I? I'm just, I'm just a welder. I'm just a mom. I'm just, I'm just a college student. I'm just a high school, whatever it is. And we make these excuses and what we're saying is, I'm small. What could you possibly do with me? Even, even our church, we're a good-sized church, but when we look at our church, we go, look at the need in our county and our community. God, how could we serve our entire county well? We just, it seems overwhelming, right? But then we go back and realize that everything necessary for us to become who God wants us to become as a church and for you to become who God wants you to be as a person is contained in a tiny seed. So tiny things can have a, a huge capacity if we'll trust and believe that. So it really doesn't matter what we look like. It doesn't matter who we are. There's big potential in tiny things. Today we're going to talk about roots, the roots of a tree. Uh, And really when we talk about roots, we're talking about what we believe. Because I feel like our belief system is our root system. That that is what does the work of the root system in our life. Um, One of the things I love about roots is that they lie below the surface. Uh, typically you don't see a tree's root systems. <clears throat> and there are some funky trees that you do, but for the most part, a root system lies below the surface. And in the world we live in today, so much of what we do is contingent on what we see. We like a good show, we like a good performance, and it's easy to fool people, right? If we look the part and we look good, um, it doesn't matter what's behind the scenes or below the surface. We, we accept that a lot of times. Um, 
I, I said this, I told this story not long ago. We had renters in a house we'd built in Texas. And I, my neighbor, I would call my neighbor once in a while and say, hey, how does the house look? And they go, man, it looks great. The flower bed looks great. The yard looks great. They're taking care of things. And I'd go, okay, good. But when we finally evicted them out of our house, because um, they stopped paying us, when we finally evicted them out of the house, the backyard was full of garbage. And, and the outside looked great. The presentation was wonderful, but what was behind the scenes was troubling. And a lot of times what we do is we are masters of what is seen. We're masters of what is over the surface, but what is below the surface is what counts so many times. And that's what we see in our root structure. Uh, the roots are important because they do a, a couple of different functions. Um, the roots' major functions are, number one, the absorption and storage of water, nutrients, and food. So it's what's responsible for making sure the tree can grow and is nourished. Um, it gets the water and the food, all the things it needs. The second thing it does is it aids in re reproduction. Um, if you don't know what that is, ask your parents. But the, uh, the, the roots aid in the reproduction process, and we'll see that in a couple of weeks, we'll talk about that. And the last thing that it does, and this is so important, it, it, anchors, it anchors the tree to the ground and supports it. Um, I'm not gonna get into it as much depth. On our second Wednesday, just a few weeks ago, Pastor Jim Hennessy was here and he talked about uh, storms that come through our lives and being anchored in the storms. And so if that's you, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. It's really, it's a great message and it goes further than I can go today. Um, it's interesting, when you plant a, a seed in the ground, one of the first things that happens, after a little bit of time, you stick it in the soil and it begins to get some moisture. And as the germination process begins, there is a, a shoot that comes out. It's not a shoot, it's actually uh, the first root. And the first root is called a radical. I love that. Because it's changing what it was to become what it's going to be. And it has to make a change and it has to do something radical. So this radical comes out and it begins absorbing water, absorbing nutrients and helping that seed turn into what it's going to become. And over and over and over in our lives, I think we want to be planted, we want God to work in our lives, but we don't want anything radical. We don't want any major changes. We want to keep things status quo. And we have to understand if we want to grow in the Lord, if we want to do what he's calling us to do, if we want to become what he wants us to become, it might require something radical of us. It might require something that makes us uncomfortable. It might require something that changes the norm in our lives. But that's what God is going for. So today is really all about our beliefs. What do we believe? What do you believe and when I think of the word believe, one of the first scriptures I think of is one that's pretty common in churches. And even if you're not a churchgoer, even if you're not a religious person, you've probably heard this verse. I'm going to start reading in John 3, 16. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So what does it say? Whoever believes in him. Now, a few weeks ago in our Love Is series, we talked about uh, love believes all things. And the word we saw there was pistuo, with the Greek word for believes. And this is the same word that's used here. In fact, every time we use the word believes today in these passages of scripture, it's gonna be the same word. And what this word means is, it means we believe in spite of the evidence. So even when we have evidence that would say we shouldn't believe, or even when there's a lack of evidence to believe something, we believe the best. And so what this is saying is, even when we didn't see evidence of God, tangible proof of God, we believed anyway, and that's how we received eternal life. It goes on to say in verse 17, listen to this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now, we all understand salvation is about believing in Christ, but, but our beliefs are bigger than that because it's not just about believing in Christ. In fact, Scripture says that the demons believe, right? They know who God is and who Jesus is, but that doesn't change anything for them. So it's not just about our beliefs, it's about the total package of what we believe. It's not just about believing that Jesus is the Son of God, but it's about allowing that to change and affect our lives. Um, see, I've talked to people, and probably you have too, they have a, a skewed vision of who God is because they've got a, a challenging or dysfunctional relationship with their earthly father. Because of the relationship with their father, it skews how they see their heavenly father. And so as a result, they might think their heavenly father is punitive or angry or bitter. And so anything they do is going to uh, impact their relationship with God. Anything they think, anytime they might mess up, it's going to crush it because they're looking at God through the lens of their earthly father. And so what that is, is a belief. And every belief in our life drives an action. So you might say you believe something, but you may not, depending on your actions. Your actions tell us what you believe. Uh, it is an indicator of what we truly believe. Let, let me tell you about corporately some of our beliefs as a church. I'm not going to go through all of them. If you want to see all of them, visit our website, summitpa.church, uh, and then hit about us and then hit beliefs. And you'll see a full listing of, of our kind of core beliefs, uh, doctrinal beliefs. Um, I'll hit a couple of the big ones for you today. The first is this. The Bible is our foundation for everything. Everything. And the Bible is inerrant. It is God's holy word to us. So it is the basis for everything we do. And it is, it's inerrant. So we don't read it and go, well, that part's probably messed up. Or oh, no, we don't know if we can really trust that part because of the interpretation. Or when we look at scripture, we believe that it is the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God. And it is our foundation for everything. So that belief drives us and causes us to act in certain ways. It causes us to do certain things that, that that maybe other people don't do or other churches don't do. It's not saying we're better, but our beliefs drive our actions. We believe that Jesus is the one and only Son of God, period. That there is no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said that. So if you think Jesus was a good man, you have to understand that he was a liar then if you don't believe he was the Son of God and there's only one way to heaven because that's what Jesus said. So we believe there's one way to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ, the one and only Son of God. And that's it. It doesn't matter how sincere I am. If I am a Muslim uh, believer and I am a sincere Muslim believer, it does not make any difference. We do not serve the same God. There's one way to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I was talking to somebody recently, and they were talking about sincerity. And I said, you know, you can be sincere and still be wrong. You can be sincerely wrong, right? Because we do that all the time. There's one way to heaven, it's through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Um, and that's what drives one of our core values is creative evangelism. Because we believe there's one way to heaven, and we believe that so strongly that it causes us to change our actions, what we do. So we do evangelism in a creative kind of way. That's why we do at the movies every year. 
It's not because I need a break from preaching real, ser- real sermons so we tie in some, some movie clips. That's not why we do that. We do that so we can attract unbelievers to our church and present the gospel to them in a creative way because we believe so strongly that there's one way, to G- the one way to heaven that we wanna make sure we get everyone in proximity to Jesus Christ. That's why we do 50,000 Easter egg hunts. It is not because we're trying to show off. It's because we want to do big things for the glory of God. We want to be creative in how we reach people. Um, there, there are lots of Easter egg hunts in our area, and I'm not going to downplay any of those. But our purpose is not just to, to have a good Easter egg hunt. Our purpose is to reach people creatively. Because when they see 50,000 eggs, they go, man, those people are crazy, right? And you might say the same thing. I know our staff says the same thing. We're doing more next year, though. So we're going to have an egg stuffing party for next year, next weekend. We're going to get ready. So why do we do that? Well, our action is driven by this belief that there is one way to heaven. It's Jesus Christ. Um, We have this belief that God wants us to be more like Jesus than what we think, say, and do. This is sanctification. This is us growing in our relationship with God. And this drives our behavior where we say we want people to be involved in small groups because relationship and community and care are important, and that's the context by which we grow in our faith. That's how we begin to look more like Jesus. That's why serving is so important. It's not because we're trying to get something out of you. It's because we're trying to deposit something in you. That's where we grow in our faith. That's where we become more Christ-like. It's in the context of relationships and serving. And so our beliefs drive those actions. And in our lives, it does the same thing. Our beliefs drive our actions. See, if there's something you're doing in your life that you don't like, you have to ask yourself, what is the belief in me that's driving that action? What am I believing that's causing me to do that and live that way? In Romans chapter 10, this is a verse that I'll I'll mention sometimes at the end of uh, services. But Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And the verse 10 says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Now, what I want to make clear is what what we see here um, in Romans is that they're trying to tie our beliefs with our actions. Now, it's not saying that um, we are saved by our works. What it's saying is our works are a byproduct of what's going on in our heart. So when we believe and when we truly believe, our lives are changed. We're changed from the inside out. And so it's not saying if you just try harder or work harder, then it's all going to be good because God will go, well, they really want it, so I guess I'll let them into heaven. It's all about us confessing, uh, believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth. It's, it's the belief and actions being married together. And this is so important. It's not just about what we say we believe. It's what we do that is proof of what we believe. Um, See, I I was thinking about this the other day, and and just in your context, maybe you've got a coworker that for some reason you just have a hard time with. I've got one. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I really do love our team. Um. But maybe you've got a coworker that you just have a hard time with, and uh, you're not overtly mean to them, but they just, oh, they irritate you. And maybe you've realized, or maybe you don't realize, every time they're talking in a meeting, you interrupt them. Every time they suggest an idea, you shut them down. 
And maybe you're not being evil or mean, but what you're doing is you're letting your beliefs drive an action because there's a core belief that's causing you to act that way. Maybe um, there's something you say or don't say to your spouse. Maybe you, you refuse to encourage them. Maybe, maybe you give them a lot of negativity about their performance or what they do or don't do. And again, what you have to do is go, okay, what is at the core of that? What do I believe that's driving that behavior? Because it's not just about changing our behavior, it's about changing our hearts. That's what God is after. He's not trying to modify our behavior, he's trying to modify our hearts. He's trying to give us a heart transplant is what he's after in our lives. See, it doesn't matter what we say, it matters when we marry our beliefs with our actions. Because I could tell you today, hey, I'm a health nut. I believe in healthy living, right? But if I don't go to the gym and I don't eat right, and every time you drive by the meadows, you see my car parked out front. <laughs> right, it doesn't matter. There's a core belief there, so I can say whatever I want, but if my actions don't line up, then I really don't believe what I say I believe. I believe something else entirely. In fact, if I say I believe in health, but I don't live it out, what I'm really doing is saying my core belief is I wanna be comfortable, so I wanna eat whatever I want whenever I want. That's what I truly believe. And see, that belief, that root of who I am causes me to grow in a certain way, causes me to receive nourishment in a certain way. Um, I, I'm not gonna be as healthy because of that core belief. Are you tracking with me today? Like four of you are. See, we have these beliefs about God, too. We believe things like, I have to earn God's affection and approval. So as a result, um, everything in our life is driven by, I gotta work harder, work harder, work harder. I got, I've gotta stop this behavior, I gotta start that behavior. Um, I've, gotta quit. I've gotta lead more small, I've gotta work. And as a result, we do, are doing the work of the ministry, but we've lost sight of the reason why we do the ministry. Maybe you're on the opposite end. Maybe you feel like, you know, I said a prayer one time, I can do whatever I want, and God has to forgive me. Well, you've got a, a belief that's driving a behavior. That's gonna shape who you are. That's gonna shape how you grow and develop. It's gonna shape your potential because of your root system. Maybe you believe, I go to church, so that's enough. I attend, I mean, sometimes a couple times a month. And if I'm not there, I always watch online if I have time. But it's not just about church attendance. It really is about our affection and our devotion and our heart. Um, sometimes we flip it around. We think, I, I will work really hard and I will earn God's love. But, but we get it backwards. There's a book I'm reading uh, right now. If you're interested, you can pick it up. Uh, but it's fantastic. It's called Jesus Manifesto. It's written by a couple of guys, Frank Viola and Leonard Sweet. And um, it is just kicking my rear right now as I'm reading it. Um, so some of you are not going to read it just because I said that. But this is what he says in one portion. Uh, the authors say this. So for Christians, our first task is to know Jesus. And out of that knowing, we will come to love him, adore him, proclaim him, and manifest him. See, what we've done is we've, we've got this mindset of, I'll just work really hard, and then it'll come. And there's some truth to that, that feelings do follow actions. But what we have to do as a people is stop focusing on what we can do and start focusing on who we can love. 
Um, because our focus has been on working for Jesus and instead of just focusing on doing the Christian routine and activity, what we need to be focusing on is our devotion and our affection for Christ. And, it, and it's not hard. It is hard, but it's not. Um, really, it's as simple as changing our attention and averting our gaze and looking on the beauty and the majesty of who Jesus Christ really is. Because when we see that and we get that, it changes everything. Does anybody remember there's an old hymn of the church that said, turn your eyes upon Jesus? Oh my gosh, that's, that's, that's what we're talking about. How do, we, how do we fully devote ourselves to Christ? By knowing him. Because if you just know him, you will love him. You will be enraptured by who he is and what he wants for you. It's not about performance. It's not about what you can do for him. It's not about what he can do for you. It's about just simply knowing Jesus more. Um, we don't sing this song in church anymore, but there's a song we all probably sang if you were in church as a child. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. What an incredibly simple and accurate depiction of what Christian life is. You don't have to fix yourself. You don't have to perform to a certain level. You just have to love him, pursue him, know him. And if you know him, you're gonna fall desperately, passionately in love with him. That's what this is all about. What do we believe about who Jesus is? John chapter 14 says this, Jesus is talking, and he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. What's he saying? He's saying, if you really believe in me, if your roots are in me, you're, you're going to do even more than I did. And every parent wants that for their children, don't they? Every good parent. You, you want your kids to be more successful than you were. You want them to have a, a comfort, more comfortable living than you have. You want more for them than you had yourself. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm going away, but guess what? If you stay rooted in me, you're gonna do even more than I did. You're gonna be more successful than I was. You're gonna heal more people. You're gonna see people um, restored and put back. You're gonna see more than I did if you just stay rooted in me. See, again, he's tying our beliefs with action. And too many times, the church in the, Western, in the Western world, in the United States, we're impotent. We have no power. We have no authority. And it's not because our programs are messed up. It's because we have diverted our gaze to something besides Jesus Christ. We're doing good things, but we've lost our first love. My prayer is, God, Restore, restore a heart of devotion in me that, that you are the center of our world. 
that you're not just something we shoehorn into our schedule, that, that we invite you in whenever we have some time, but, but Jesus' desire is that he would be the center of everything, that we wouldn't filter decisions about church and God through our other activities and what we do, but we would filter all those decisions in our life through God. That is a tall order to ask. This is not about manipulating you to attend church more. It's about helping you understand that we need to be fully devoted to the God of the universe. See, we've lowered the standards over time. We've made it really easy. You just show up, oh, don't worry, you miss, oh, don't worry. And what's happened is we have lowered the standards to the point that if people show up once a month, we're really happy. And it's not about church attendance, it's about where our heart is. And what we need to do as churches and as leaders and as Christians is say, it's, it, it's not about church attendance. It's all about where our heart is. It's all about making Jesus the center and the focus of everything in my world. That everything in my life is secondary to knowing and loving Jesus. That's what I want for my life. Because it's not enough for us just to go through the motions and to look the part. Our roots have to be secure. Our roots have to be in Jesus. There are many different types of root systems in, uh, in the botanical world. Um, there are root systems like the palm tree, where the palm tree has a very wide root system. It doesn't go real deep, but it's wide, and it, it gets every bit of moisture it can in the available area. And then there are root systems, like a lot of trees, they have a tap root that goes deep. One root goes real deep into the ground. It's looking for every bit of moisture it can find. And neither one of those uh, root systems are wrong. But when I think about myself as a believer, I want to have a tap root. And that one tap root is singularly focused on Jesus. That's where my nourishment comes from. That's where my health comes from. That's where my vibrancy and life comes from. That if I'm not rooted in him, and I'm going to die. Um, there's a, a tree. You've probably heard of the, the California redwood. It has a couple of different names, but it's the largest tree in the world. Um, they, live, they can live for thousands of years. Um, there's a variety of the California redwood that it's, uh, it's deficient. It's called an albino redwood. And what happens is um, it lacks the ability to produce chlorophyll. So what it does is um, it latches on, its root systems latch on to a, a redwood that's nearby, that's a healthy redwood, and it latches onto that redwood, and it receives all its nutrients and all its life from that redwood. And as a result, it doesn't ever produce anything. It doesn't produce um, any kind of seed. It doesn't produce any kind of vegetation. It is a white tree, and it, this is the other thing. It never grows to its full capacity. So an albino redwood will typically grow to about 75 feet, and that's it, which is a fraction of what a healthy redwood tree would grow to. And too often in churches, I've seen people who are albino redwoods. People that look good, they look strong, but their root system is attached to the wrong thing. It's not attached to Jesus Christ. Maybe it's attached to a wife or a husband. Maybe it's attached to a good friend. Maybe it's attached to a parent who has a relationship with Christ. So all of their nourishment, all of their life comes from someone else. 
And then when storms come, their roots are in the wrong place. Their anchor can't hold because of what they're connected to. They can never grow to their maximum capacity because their roots are not where they need to be. There's one more passage of scripture I want to read to you. Um, Maybe two. We'll see. This is in Job chapter 14. And in Job, uh, he was going through a terrible point in his life. Job was a righteous man. He had done nothing wrong. He had done nothing to deserve what he went through. And he gets to this point in Job chapter 14, and he says this. I mean, he's lost everything. He's lost his family. He's lost his wealth, his riches, his possessions. Uh, Everything is lost. And his wife is telling him that he should curse God and die. She's got the gift of encouragement, right? This is what it says in Job chapter 14, verse 7. This is what he says. Listen to this. For there is hope for a tree if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its shoots will not cease. So he's saying a tree has been cut down. There's just a stump remaining. And he said there's still hope. Listen to this. Though its root grow old in the earth and its stump die in the soil, yet, listen to this, at the scent of water it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. And he's talking about the olive tree. Because if you see pictures, you can Google an olive tree when you get home. Google it. You'll see this picture. And the, the, the trunk looks crazy and old. And you see these shoots coming out of the trunk that are brand new. And what he's saying is you can cut an olive tree down. And if the roots get a scent of water, they're going to come to life. No matter how old the roots are. No matter how dead the stump might seem, when there's a scent of water, the roots come alive and it begins producing life again. And I want you to know something. Maybe you're here and you feel like life has cut you down. Maybe you feel like, maybe you feel like you have no future. Maybe you feel like the situation you're in, that's the end. I want you to know something. What this passage is telling us is if we are rooted in the right place, when just a scent of water, when the Spirit moves by us and we get a glimpse of it, it will change everything. Life will begin to shoot up from us. When we feel dead and lifeless, like everything's come to an end, I want you to know something. It's not the end. Job was at a place that he's lost everything. And he said, you know what? Though a tree's cut down, if it gets a scent of water, it's going to spring to life. See, the olive tree is hardy. It can stand up in drought. It can even stand up to the fact that it would get cut down. And if it gets just a little water, it's coming back to life. Where are we rooted today? Is our root deep enough? And is our root in Jesus? Where when we get just a glimpse of him, we come to life? Again, this is not about church attendance today. It is not about behavior. It's not about getting you to serve. None of those things... I simply want you to fall desperately in love with Jesus. I want to put you in front of him. I want you to experience him because I think when you do, it changes everything. Where are you rooted today? Let's pray together. Lord, I love you. And I'm grateful that you love us. I pray that you'd minister in us today. Lord, I pray that it wouldn't be about what we need 
or what you want from us. But Lord, let it be simply about us knowing you. And as we know you, let us fall in love with you like never before. And let that devotion for you and our belief in you change everything about us. God, I pray that um, there are people here who are struggling. They feel like they've been cut down by life. God, I pray that you'd encourage them. God, I pray that even now in this moment, the Holy Spirit moves through this place. We would sense that and see that and people would come to life in that. The Lord, we wouldn't be satisfied just going through the motions and looking the part, but God, let us be rooted deeply in you. Lord, change us from the inside out. We trust you and we thank you and we do believe you are who you say you are. So have your way with us, Lord. With your head bowed and your eyes closed today, I just want to ask if you're here, maybe you say, Mel, I don't really know God. I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I, I want to believe. I want to know him. I want him to change everything. Maybe you're here and you've had a religious background, but you recognize you've never really been in relationship with him. You've never really fallen head over heels desperately in love with the son of God. You say today, I want to make him Lord of my life. I'm not going to make you come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you right where you're at. So if that's you, would you slip your hand up real high where I can see it and I'll acknowledge you. And then in just a moment, I'll pray with you. Thank you. Up in the balcony, I see you. Praise God. Who else would say, that's me, pray for me. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. Thank you. Over here on my right, I see you, sir. Just a few more seconds. Anyone else? Say, pray for me, Mel. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to believe in him today. Thank you, up in the balcony, I see you. Praise God. I want every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, just to say this really simple prayer after me. So repeat this with me, say it out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for saving me by paying the price for my sins on the cross. Today, I choose you and I believe in you. Change my life. Use me for your glory. I'm never going back to my old ways or my old life. Today I'm yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God a round of applause today? Thank you, Jesus. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I wanna ask you to do something for me. Just like when you plant a seed in the ground, you have to nourish it to get it to grow. Um, that's what happens here. The seed has been planted in you and we wanna help nourish it. So we would love for you to take the next step and fill this card out. It's in the seat back in front of you. It's just says salvation. Fill this out, drop it in the offering boxes as you leave today. Let us know about your decision so we can help you grow in your faith. If you're watching online or maybe you're sitting here and, and for whatever reason, you. you don't feel comfortable filling the card out. We still wanna help you grow in your faith. Uh, so if you would, simply text your take your mobile device out and text us the word salvation and text that to the number 555-888. When you do that, we're gonna be able to respond back to you and get your resources and connect you in relationship, get you plugged into our starting point group because we want you to grow in your faith. We wanna help nourish that and grow you and, uh, and see you become everything that God's dreamed for you to become. This is what's gonna happen right now. 
These guys are gonna lead us in one final song. We're gonna worship together. We're gonna reflect on what God has spoken to us today. But if you need prayer for any reason, a specific prayer need, our prayer team is available on either side of the stage. So as soon as we begin to sing, step out from your seat, find one of our prayer team members. And then at the conclusion of that last song, uh, Steph McCoy, our missions director, is gonna come up and she'll close us out. So why don't you stand your feet all over the room. We'll worship together one more time before we're dismissed today. Guys, I tell you this regularly, but I love you more than you know. I'm so honored I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have a great day.